Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Perhaps the most famous conquistador was Hernán Cortés, who led a coalition army of Spanish forces and native warriors to vanquish the mighty Aztec Empire in 1521, during the reign of legendary Aztec king Montezuma. In 1519, Hernán Cortés landed with a small Spanish conquistador army on the coast of modern-day Mexico. Through a combination of raw force and political maneuvering, Cortés was able to secure the allegiance of subjugated enemies of the Aztec Empire during his epic advance on the empire's main settlement, in what is now the historic center of Mexico City. The Spanish force entered the settlement and was greeted by its ruler. Initially, the conquistadors were treated well by the Aztecs whilst they stayed in the city, but the warm welcome soon turned sour. Under siege, the Spaniards were desperate to escape the settlement and did so in daring fashion at night in an event called the Night of Sorrows. This humiliating retreat was later followed, however, by an eventual counterattack which resulted in the fall of the Aztec city. Despite a great disparity of forces, Cortés accomplished one of history's greatest military feats when he vanquished the armies of this powerful Mesoamerican civilization to found the Kingdom of New Spain. Hernán Cortés was appointed the first governor of New Spain. His controversial life and deeds ended with his death at 62 of lung disease in 1547 near Seville, Andalusia, Spain. He is not buried there as his will directed that his remains be returned to the great city he conquered and are today interred in a Mexico City church. Before exploring early colonial Mexico, Let's take a brief look back at the last stand of the Aztec, as well as European battle tactics and the Western military tradition with historian Victor Davis Hansen. The Western military tradition was more than just technology, and it wasn't just a recent phenomenon of the Enlightenment. In other words, it went back to a tradition that did not die in the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages. And that tradition was, in a lot of aspects, whether it was military organization and discipline, or whether it was the added incentive of human dignity and freedom and the ability to make decisions, or it was the scientific method of rationalism or whether it was the idea of open dissent, that gave Western armies and navies advantage. It did not say they were predetermined to win. There is no good or bad war. There's just war, you either win or lose. We know what happened at Ishlawanda and the Zulu War. We know what happened in Custer's Last Stand. So there were many occasions We know what happened in many of the battles of the Crusades. But what I'm getting at is that all things being equal, it allowed Westerners, and one of them was capitalism, but it allowed Westerners to project force well beyond their homeland. And if they were up against a Hannibal or they were up against a Muslim commander at Lepanto that was very skilled or they were outnumbered, they could overcome, in some cases, those innate advantages or the weather or distance because of the system. And Tenochtitlan was an empire of 4 million people, the Aztec Empire, and it was sophisticated in, in terms of astronomical calculations, et cetera, et cetera, architecture, massive uh, 
pyramidal building. But the idea that they were going to build transatlantic sea craft and send people equipped with Spanish steel blades and cavalry and gunpowder and take Barcelona was absolutely preposterous. Not that they wouldn't have done it if they could. Or the idea that Xerxes was going to, with all of these men, was going to take over all of Greece and absorb it. It wasn't going to happen, not when there were people in these decentralized city-states that were flexible and they loved their freedom. They were rowing at Salamis saying, you know, Eleutheria, Eleutheria, according to Aeschylus. So I went and took 10 iconic battles to represent aspects of the Western military tradition that gave them an edge, not that it guaranteed victory, but in an ambiguous situation, the system could withstand a stupid commander like a custard at Little Bighorn, or it could allow a massive screw-up in the uh, Third Crusade, or it could make up for stupidity, lack of troops, bad weather, etc., etc. And when people said, well, there were the Ottomans, Yes, and they almost went to Vienna. But that was a time when, remember, the West was trisected by Orthodoxy, Catholicism, and Protestantism. They had these devastating wars. But more or less, the story was that whether it was Alexander the Great or the Crusaders or Cortez, it was usually the West colonized and projected power outside of the interior of Europe, and that Europe was pretty much sacrosanct, that the new world was going to be colonized. It was going to be by people using this tradition rather than the Chinese or Indian or Asian or African traditions. And that, I guess it came across to some as Eurocentric, but it wasn't a moral argument. It was an argument of dynamism. I wasn't trying to say that Cortez was the moral superior of Montezuma. I think he was, but marginally so, maybe. I'm being tongue-in-cheek, but he had a system behind him so that in the immediate environs of ancient Mexico City, Tenochtitlan, there were all the ingredients that you needed to make gunpowder, saltpeter, carbon, etc., charcoal. You could make it. The Aztecs had no idea about it. There was the elements of copper and tin to make copper cannons. So when Cortez was there, they were casting cannon and making gunpowder out of local materials. And so really, the Aztecs were sitting on all sorts of untapped advantages that they didn't fully utilize because they had a very different scientific, religious, economic, social, cultural tradition. Had they wanted to kill people and have a Western way of war, of annihilation and shock battle and use steel rather than obsidian and not try to take prisoners so they could offer them as human sacrifices at the top of their pyramids, then they might have done better. They had a, a very strange system, though, where the local commander would have his staff with a, a banner on it. And then people would try to tackle the conquistadors and wrap them with leather thongs on their feet and hands, knock them down, and then drag them, tie them on a big rope, and then drag them over to a central collection point. That's a very inefficient way to win a war. And the Spanish were brought up in the classical tradition. As you see the enemy, you charge them, you have armor, you have edged weapons of superior technology, you try to slice and kill a person as quickly, and then go on to the next. And then you break the morale, and that settles the political question by other means. But that's a very different view than from what the Aztecs were doing. History is not a zero-sum game. One does not have to hate the Spanish Empire in order to love the native Mesoamerican empires. Both empires can be appreciated and criticized simultaneously. 
It is important and useful to triangulate historical sources to arrive at the most objective and truthful version of events. We live in an age of negative and anti-Eurocentric interpretations of history. I find it interesting to sometimes shake things up a bit and turn to a more classic style with a positive and traditional viewpoint. Always remember, folks, the truth is rarely located at the extremes. It is most often found near the middle or center. And now, let's explore the difference between the Aztec names Moctezuma and Montezuma. Moctezuma, born in circa 1466, has many variant spellings and pronunciations, including Montezuma. North Americans are generally more familiar with Montezuma. This legendary Mesoamerican ruler is also referred to retroactively by historians as Moctezuma II, Emperor of the Aztec Empire, who reigned until his death in 1520. What about the Marines' hymn? I can almost hear everyone humming along to the Marines' hymn's opening line from the Halls of Montezuma, which refers to the Battle of Chapultepec in Mexico City during the Mexican-American War, which began in 1846. The battle was part of the successful American campaign to take Mexico City. Montezuma was at that time the Mexican governmental palace or castle on a hill near the center of Mexico City, founded by the Aztecs and built up by the Spaniards. Join me next time as we move our series narrative forward to examine early colonial Mexico. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y, using the code 30605.